baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. And welcome back. I'm Ryan Recker filling in. You can find me online, Ryan Recker Radio. And if you want to text the show, you can. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Uh, Roger Davis, I, I got two stories for you. Uh, can I tell you how I got in trouble and maybe you can give me some advice to get out of the doghouse? <laughs> sure, sure. Lay it on. All right. <laughs> All right, Roger. So uh, are you married? Uh, I'm a, I'm a divorcee as a matter of fact. Oh, divorce. Okay. So, okay, Roger. So, uh, so I'll have to note, uh, this is what ended up happening as a dad. I feel like it is my obligation to teach my children the old dad tricks. And one of those tricks is the old pull my finger joke. Oh yeah. So I did the pull my finger joke to my daughter. And she thought it was hilarious. She's three years old. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, that is not ladylike at all. I know. But... Aren't, they, aren't they a great audience, toddlers, though? Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. But now she'll come up to me and she'll say, oh, Dad, pull my finger. <laughs> and it works. She, she's got it to work. And it's hilarious. So I taught her this trick. And I said, if anyone asks you, where did you learn this? You tell them, Mommy. There you go. So the hilarious day of reckoning came when my daughter was at church and she pulled this on another kid at church. And at then church. the the lady, the lady that was watching the kids at church, went to my wife and said, "Hey, just so you know, your daughter did the pull my finger bit." And I asked her, "Who taught her how to do this?" And she said, "Mommy." And my wife was uh -oh. so embarrassed. Uh -oh. I am in the doghouse, Roger. I don't know what to do to get out of it, but she is so <laughs> mad at me <laughs> for that scenario. I don't know. I can only recommend something expensive, I guess, at this point. I know. I'm in trouble. <laughs> uh, so I don't know how to come back from that. And I know it's not good to teach your kids to lie, but, man, that was funny. So I think there should be there should be some leeway there when it comes to fibs because that is hilarious, I think. Yeah. Uh, okay. You got you, what? Well, you just got to teach them negotiation. That's what we call it, anyway. Right. In the, in the now, my <laughs> wife luckily doesn't plot against me, so <laughs> I would assume any logical, like uh, furthering this any logically, would essentially mean that she would be planning her revenge. Now, she's not one to do that. But, man, if she does, I know it's going to come back five times as hard on me, and I'm going to be in some serious trouble for it'll, whatever that may be. Sure, if she plays it cagey, it'll come as a bolt out of the blue for you. You know, <laughs> like, like a lawsuit, you know. It's the last thing you expect, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, right before the show, I was listening to the, the different news program bits right before uh, 6 o'clock, and they were discussing how the Emmys came out with the 75 top TV moments of all time. Hmm. I don't know if you've seen this list, but so the Emmys released this and they rank it one through 75 and they say the number one television moment of all time was the Apollo 11 moon landing. Yeah, I, Neil I, Armstrong, I you know, one that. small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Sure, sure. 
I don't think there's any doubt that is the top television moment of all time. Uh, I wasn't alive when that happened, but I can recognize that I don't think there'll be a bigger television moment other than the second coming of Christ. I mean, if that was televised. <laughs> we were living, for the most part. We were living in uh, Texas, uh, North Texas at the time, so it was, very, it was a ridiculous hour of the morning when it finally happened. Oh, Watch, sure. Watching squinting at the little black and white uh, image, you know, on that uh, rudimentary camera that they had, like, at set up outside. And it was. It was riveting television. I'll never forget. Sure. Well, was your day. dad sitting up watching all night, like, just in anticipation? I was the dad, actually. Oh, you were the dad. <laughs> Roger, <laughs> you've been right. around, my friend. We don't know that it ever actually happened, but it was right. <laughs> on television. Right. That's right. Let me give you the top ten <laughs> moments, and you tell me if any of them you think may be okay. overrated. Fair enough. Number two, live coverage from 9-11. Mm. Number three, the Beatles' performance on The Ed Sullivan Show. Number four... Part one premiere episode where you see a newborn Kunta Kinte being held aloft by his father. Yeah, uh, number five, that. Walter Cronkite announces the death of JFK. That's mm. that comes at five. So yeah. Roots beats number uh, beats the JFK assassination in this listing. No, I don't think so. No. Well, you I know, think I, the JFK I, but I, I would might be number two. I would have to. I'd have to agree with all of those. Yeah. On an inclusion a stamp from a standpoint, but not necessarily. A, order of precedence now do you think the walter cronkite jfk assassination may be bigger in terms of television coverage than 9-11 that's a tough one like a uh, awesome no i well I, I just think because of in demographics of course um but yeah, yeah otherwise it's certainly on par with it, as, as far as momentous goes to the, to right. the audience but do you th- i can't about- think i can't think of anything in what's left of my lifetime that's ever going to eclipse the images from 9-11 I really right. I, I can't foresee anything that would do that. Uh, number six, the Martin Luther King Jr. iconic mm. I Have a Dream speech. Yeah. Number seven, Fred Rogers, uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood <laughs> episode yeah, where yeah. him and Officer Clemens were in the waiting pool. Mm. Uh, number eight, <laughs> the final farewell of MASH, the last episode there. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Number nine, MTV's radio uh, video killed the radio star, airing their first music video. And number ten, the debut of Saturday Night Live with George Carlin. Those are the top ten <laughs> television moments. Who am I to argue? Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Again, I would I would say all of those would certainly be candidates, with one one or two possible exceptions. But yeah, and it's so crazy to me that some of them are like here's number thirteen. The puppy episode, Ellen DeGeneres tells Susan she's gay. Uh-huh. That's like the, a top 13 moment. Yeah, I missed that one. I'll keep thinking of it. It just beat out by number 12, the Space Shuttle Challenger explosion. Yeah. So the, just one notch lower than the Challenger explosion on television with all the children in school watching because there was a, t- yeah. a teacher on board. Yeah. You're telling me that that is just one less than yeah, that. Come on now. Who and again? Who was the jury on this? Um, Emmys. I mean the award for the. I mean the the compiling of the list. You know. Yeah, uh, there's some things in here that are pretty controversial. Like and some things that are not. Like number sixteen, the live coverage of the O.J. Simpson chase that deserves to be on there. Yeah, simply because of the um, <laughs> the massive yeah. amount of audience participation. Uh, then there's the first Kennedy-Nixon presidential debate at number 18. And then at number 20, the release of the George Floyd murder video. Hmm. It's number 20. Like, okay, come on now. Nah. Uh, then let's see, where else are we on here? 
uh, number 27. Then you start to, when you get further deep, you start to find it's more television, like, you know, scripted sitcoms, comedies, things like that. Yeah. Those type of moments start to really come in here, like the Soup Nazi episode from Seinfeld's at number 27. Well, I know, and they're telling it from the standpoint of uh, television produce, producers, of course, obviously. So you put, if you put it in that context, you know, I, you know, who, who's to argue with them? But, yeah. I well, this. I don't know. Like, uh, here's what I would argue. I would say if, let's say, all these networks were competing and this were some sort of, like, all of them were on at the same time, which one would you pick on your network to get the most viewership? And would you rather have the Apollo 11 landing? <laughs> yeah. Would you rather have Walter Cronkite announcing the JFK assassination or the episode of Ellen DeGeneres saying she's gay? Like, of those three, which one would you pick? Now, obviously, some of these, they might be close, but... You know, I'll, I'll look at, like, for example, uh, the Space Shuttle Challenger launch at number 12 and say that is a bigger moment to me than, mm-hmm. let's say, oh, I don't know, Fred Rogers in the waiting pool. Yeah, see, the, the uh, problem I'm having is these are su- this, this is such a category-oriented thing that it's really hard. You know, it's an apples and oranges thing as far as I'm concerned, trying to put them, trying to rank them in some kind of hierarchical order. Seems to be, yeah, a, seems I would, to be a waste of time. Like, they do the fantasy football, fantasy baseball, whatever it is. If you're the owner of a network and you had to do a fantasy draft and you had to, like, pick these one <laughs> right, after another exactly. yeah, to make yeah. your lineup and then have your lineup compete yeah. with other networks for viewership, then, yeah, that's how the competitive nature, to me, would indicate which one's higher and which one's lower and which one would you rather have on your network at any given time. Yeah, from, strictly but, from their standpoint, yeah. From yeah. their standpoint, yeah. All right, so it's kind of interesting. We may have to uh, touch on some of these other ones the next time, maybe in an hour or so. But this list, I don't think is meant to be controversial. But, you know, there's a couple of things on there that make you say, eh, I don't know. Like, I remember that, and it wasn't as big as how you're trying to portray it. Um, so, Roger Davis, looking forward to spending some more time with you later in the show. Coming up this hour, NFL legend Tony Dungy <laughs> says that Taylor Swift disenchants fans' distraction <laughs> from the game, and they're really blowing his comments out of proportion. Also coming up this hour, Joel Patterson's a workplace expert, and we've heard this study over and over again. Workers are willing to take a pay cut in order for a better work-life balance, and I've heard this story used over and over and over again. Pretty much every news network has used it. So he's a workplace expert. Let's talk to him about that, and let's talk about employees and workplace balances coming up in the break, uh, a couple of breaks from now. He'll join us at 8.35. I'm Ryan Recker filling in. Don't go anywhere on News Talk 98.9 WORD. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. And welcome back. I saw a text message that came in that said, where is Princess Diana's funeral in all of this? Uh, and this is the top 75 TV moments as voted on by the Emmys. It was on here. Let me see if I can find it real quick. And thank you for all the different text messages that are coming in. Uh, okay, let me do a search here. Princess Diana's funeral, 58 on the list. 58. Right behind... 
Let's see. Right behind Sesame Street. Farewell, Mr. Hooper. <laughs> in the Twilight Zone, where is everybody? Premiere episode featuring a man seemingly all alone in a small town. So that is right down there. Oh, it's also behind one of the streaming episodes on, or I guess it wasn't a stream, it was HBO, The Last of Us. It's behind an episode of The Last of Us that came out just like last year. The Princess Diana funeral is lower than that. Okay, we'll have to discuss this later. Uh, thanks for all the text messages coming in. And I got to tell you that this has been a fun episode, a fun show to fill in. You can find me online, Ryan Recker Radio. If you want to message me on Facebook, Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. I saw TMZ picked up this story and they're trying to make drama with Tony Dungy. Historically, one of the all-time good guys in the NFL. I think when you look at Tony Dungy, there is some controversy around him, and normally it's people that hate his Christian faith. Normally they criticize him because he holds a Christian faith, and that is common in a lot of Hollywood-like circles. I think they resent you if you have a Christian faith background. And that's why you find so many different actors and actresses. They don't talk about this sort of thing, and they don't want to publicly profess their beliefs. Forget about Republican-Democrat stuff, but if you even profess Christian faith anymore, it seemed like as a huge negative. Um, so Tony Dungy being one of those, he is someone that people know. He was the head coach of the Colts for a long time. Now he does uh, commentary for the NFL. And I got to tell you, he wrote books, inspirational books. He's really looked at to me as one of the all-time greats people when it comes to the NFL. So he was doing an interview with... I forgot, it was one of the bowl games, and essentially they were talking about the NFL, and TMZ did a write-up on this. It says, Tony Dungy stirring up bad blood for the NFL's new Golden Goose and Taylor Swift, essentially saying she distracts from the sport, which he thinks is a very bad thing. In a recent interview with Fox News, the former NFL player coach was asked how he felt about the Travis Kelsey's biggest fan, and he said that the Taylor Swift effect takes away from the on-field action. You just want to hear what he said? So they're trying to make this into this giant controversy. You tell me if this sounds so controversial. I think we'll always have sports in, in some form or fashion. Some people are disenchanted with it. What do you make of the Taylor Swift effect here? That's the thing that's disenchanting people with, with sports now. There, there's so much on the outside that come coming in, entertainment value and uh, different things as taking away from what really happens on the field. So he's saying... If you heard him, it's very clear what he's saying, that we this the entertainment factor takes away with what's on the field. Do you agree or disagree with that? Is it so sensational that he says that some fans are disenchanted, that they're spending, you know, I don't know, 20 times they have to look up into the uh, suite to see how Taylor Swift is reacting to a play? Uh, do we really need that? Does that add to football? Or is football more of a cultural thing? So now we have to include reaction from celebrities that may be dating players. Is that how we're at right now? And I would tend to agree with Taylor Swift's uh, analysis that it is really, I don't know if it turns fans away, but they just kind of like, all right, fine, we get it. She's at the game. We want to watch the game. This is what they care about is watching the game. They're not watching this because they want to see the reaction to Taylor Swift by any means. So, I, is the NFL at the point where this is just part of the game now? Now I got roasted on social media once because a couple of years ago, I was watching the Super Bowl at work because I was working that night. 
And it was the Super Bowl where was it? Oh man, who's the Shakira and Jennifer Lopez doing the halftime show? And they brought out poles and they started stripper pole dancing at halftime. And I said, I guess this is part of the NFL now. I guess stripper poles are part of the NFL. And people went absolutely crazy on me on social media. They were like, you are such an old, out-of-touch kind of guy. And they said, of course, said a lot worse things. But for some reason, my tweet was put in with like a bunch of other tweets that were summarizing the Super Bowl. So I don't, I forgot how much I had. I had like a half a million views or something like that on that one tweet because people were looking at it because it was like quoted all over the place. And all I said was, I guess stripper poles are part of the NFL now. Yikes. And people hated me for saying something like that. But I think the cultural side of it, people have been injecting themselves into football for a long time. And I don't think it's that uncommon and does it take away from the game absolutely it takes away from the game i think people are watching it for the sport because that's what they want to watch uh this other stuff should just be kind of like sprinkled in as a fun thing that happens every once in a while not a main attraction to why you're watching many people speculated that the reason the kansas city chiefs game over the weekend on saturday night was put on peacock was because they were trying to get people to stream the football game and buy subscriptions to Peacock, who had the rights to this one game. And they said, well, if you want to watch Taylor Swift, you're going to have to pay seven bucks to watch this football game on a Saturday night. And as it turns out, it paid off for Peacock because there were a lot of people that paid the subscription in order to watch this NFL game. There, uh, There could be something to it, but I think in the end, if I paid seven bucks and all they did was show reaction to Taylor Swift, I'd be so upset. Be like, just show the game. There's a part in a side where it just becomes overboard in a distraction. And you know what? It's, it's reached that in a lot of different ways. Real quick yesterday when CBS decided that, Hey, we got to put something on the air because the bills game was snowed out and they're moving it to Monday today during the day. So yesterday they decided to show the classic playoff game, between Kansas City and uh, Cincinnati, the Bengals. And this is last year's playoff game that was just a fantastic game. And I made the comment to my young co-workers that were with me yesterday. I said, it's so nice to see a Kansas City game without Taylor Swift. And they got so upset with me. Oh, you're one of those people that don't like Taylor Swift. <laughs> like, no, it's a funny joke. Come on now. All right, when we come back, workplace expert Joel Patterson joins us. What's the right balance between work and life? Uh, you know, we've seen that story over and over again. I'm going to ask him that coming up. I'm Ryan Recker filling in News Talk 98.9 WORD. And welcome back. Thanks for all the text messages coming in. How many of you over the past week saw a story or maybe heard a news story? And it says, according to a study, workers willing to take 20% pay cut for better work-life balance. Joining us now is a workplace expert, Joel Patterson. Thank you for coming on to WORD. Good morning. Happy to be here. Well, it's a cold Monday morning. I think a lot of people are thinking to themselves, well, I got to work. I'm not a federal worker. I got to go in. I got to do my job today. And they're thinking about drudging in the bitterly cold temperatures. And they're thinking, I want this to be better. They want to find ways to be better, and they say, you know what, I would be willing to take a pay cut if I didn't have to deal with this all the time. Uh, can you kind of explain what the modern-day worker is going through today when they're thinking about how much they dislike their job so much that they would take a pay cut to make things better? 
Yeah, well, you know, you talk about the weather, too, and being cold morning. It's nine degrees in Dallas right now, so I have no interest in uh, in heading into work, as a lot of people do, because that's not very um, enjoyable. And that kind of comes down to what I think a lot of people are, are, are stepping back and looking at their career and deciding, hey, what do I really want out of this, and how much do I want it to impact my personal life? And as we get younger and younger in, in our working environments, as far as people's age, I think that's coming, becoming more and more of an issue. You look at Gen Z, you look at millennials, and they're much more willing to step up and say, you know what, I, I actually don't want to work 60 hours this week. Um, there might be pressure to do that, but I don't want to, and they're making that choice. Now, you can think what you want about that choice, but, but the reality is that work-life balance is something that everybody talks about, everybody thinks about on some level, whether they communicate it or not. Um, and, and personally, I kind of don't like the term work-life balance because it makes it seem like one is, one is good and the other is bad. And what I think mm-hmm. people need to really kind of, at least when it comes to work, they, get, they need to step back and say, you know, it's not necessarily going to be work versus life. It's finding ways to integrate them a little bit so that the stress of work isn't creating issues in my life and vice versa. But the reality is you, you know it's going to, right? I mean, people, things happen in life. And you've got to you've got to have the skills to be able to, to balance the two. But it doesn't really change anything because people are looking at it like, you know what, I want, I've gone through a pandemic. I've gone through a really difficult labor environment. Um, and, and I don't care about those things anymore. I just want to be happy. And, and they're willing to do something about it. Yeah, that's the interesting thing to all of this. And we saw just how much inflation played a role in wages, meaning that the price of everything went up. But then the federal surveys come out and say, well, good news is the uh, wages are keeping up, too. But not really the case for a lot of people. And they don't really have a lot to sacrifice to begin with. However, there may be more demand in the places they're working. And people are like, you know what? I I get paid for 40 hours. You're not paying me overtime because you're calling me salaried. I think those days might be starting to become over where you just overwork someone, expect them to work for little pay. Do you think this is kind of one of the steps in the natural progression in a workplace where the worker starts to, you know, I guess shift the balances a little bit more in their favor where they can actually bring up those wages some? Yeah, without question. And that's been happening. Really, it really started out of the pandemic um, and, and people we're able to work from home. I mean, working remotely is one of the big levers that people, that companies can pull in order to give people more control over how they work. Well, that doesn't work for everybody. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a, a lot of people who don't have the ability to work from home. And so you can't necessarily use that as a way to, to make their lives better, but you've got to be able to find ways to recognize that there's more anxiety typically, at least according to surveys, at least people are willing to talk about their anxiety more. Um, they, they, people feel overwhelmed. They're worried about their mental health. They want to take care of their kids. You know, I mean, all of these things are, are there's nothing wrong with them, but employers have to be able to respond, you know, and, and, and how you hire people, how you keep them motivated, how you keep them productive is different than it was five years ago. And, and, and being able to give some flexibility, uh, being able to, to, to recognize that, hey, these are real life situations. And, and I, as an employer, have something, a, a way to be able to assist. I mean, do something about that. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of ways to, to, to help with this, but 
you've got to recognize that it's happening because it is. And, you know, the labor environment's been very tough for, for companies for the last couple of years, and it's not getting any easier unless you're being proactive about this stuff and, and being able to, to, to tell somebody during an interview that, hey, we've got these benefits to make sure that you're being taken care of. And I'm not talking about ping pongs in the off, uh, ping pong table in the office. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, that, that, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's really not what we're talking about. We're talking about things that will, will uh, change people's lives and, and bring them a lot more personal satisfaction at home. Yeah, I, I'm seeing some different trends in workplaces. And joining us here is Joel Patterson. He's a workplace expert. He's the head of the Vested Group, a firm that is always on the best places to work. And I saw someone mention this online. They say this is kind of a lip, this is a test to tell if you work in a good place or not, or at least a place that's friendly to employees. And I want to get your opinion on this. They said if you request a day off and they fight you on it, or if they say we can find someone, don't worry about it. That's one of the big reasons, or that's one of the big tests you can find out if you work in a good place or not. Does that seem about right? Absolutely. I mean, I totally agree with that. I mean, now, now you got to you got to be reasonable, right? You can't go in that morning and say, "Hey, I need the day off." But as long as you're you recognize that the the company has a, a job to do as well, and you're there to support that, and and you give them the proper notice, then then absolutely, I think that people need to be able to start taking a little bit more care for their own career. Self advocacy is something that is very difficult for most people, especially people coming out of college to learn. And if you've got, if you learn that, Hey, I need to step up for myself. That's actually good for your employer. As long as you're doing it in a way that makes sense and it's respectful, then, then by all means, you need to be able to, to, to recognize that, Hey, I need a little time. I need to, I need to take care of something because ultimately what that does is it does allow you to do a better job at work. If you don't have to worry about those things that are going on at home, you feel rested, you feel like you're supported at work, you can lean into that and, and it'll make your job satisfaction even better. Now, it doesn't mean jobs are, you know, nobody's got a job that's perfect, right? Everybody's got things that they have to do that you don't necessarily love to do and doesn't bring you any energy, but that's just normal life. And, and I think people recognizing that uh, they can have a little bit more influence on how they're, they're, how they're paid, how, what their, 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 um, their description of their job is, um, will, will bring them to a place that, that allows them to, to be happier and more content overall. Well, let me give you another thing that happened over the summer. And so, uh, you know, doing the show here in South Carolina, but I live in Detroit and we just went through the big auto strike. And of course, the auto workers went on the picket lines. They were out there for a long time. It cost the big three a lot of money, but eventually they came back to the table, found the deal. They're back at work. They have, you know, some of the things that they negotiated that they were happy with. A lot of the newer, younger uh, employees found that to be true, but we found that the United Auto Workers now are going to other auto companies and saying, we want you to join the UAW. We can make the same deal for you. But naturally speaking, some of the big car companies looked at what was being demanded and they just automatically gave that to their employees to try to say, we don't need a union here because we can give you the same benefits and they don't have to take some money out of your paycheck. So I bring that up as an example. What happens when other companies start offering benefits do other, let's say then all of a sudden, do other companies feel pressure to start offering other benefits? Or do you find that the opposite happens where maybe good people are just uh, maybe gravitate towards companies with good benefits and that's those are the ones that are going to succeed? Or do you think that naturally when you start to see more things happening, it's a train reaction among companies and things start to get better across the board? 
I think, yeah, I think people just consistently steal from each other, right? I mean, no matter what it is, whether it, if, if they see somebody is having some success with, with a benefit, then they're going to, they're going to get on board. Um, these days, if you, if you are complacent about how you recruit and retain people, you're already behind. Um, like we were talking about before, the, the labor, the, the, the environment has been really challenging over the last few years. It's, it's, it's sliding back. It's not as bad now as it was a year ago, but you've got to be able to stay ahead of the game because the people that are cr- creative and coming up with those benefits that are working, they're advertising them. They're definitely going to be out there letting other people know. And, and you've got to be able to get on board and stay current. Now it's, it's, it's common people think that, well, nobody just stays at a company for 30 years anymore, but there are people that still do that. And those kind of people, you know, they're, they're, they don't like change. Um, they probably wouldn't necessarily be moved to change a job because of a benefit, but they're in the minority these days. You know, I mean, I don't go into a lot of companies these days that have really tenured employees. They're looking for the, the best, the brightest, the people that want to, that they've got good skills that have, maybe bring something unique to the table. All of those things come into account. And you've got to pay them a good salary, right? I mean, you, you, people like to act like the, that money is, isn't a good thing to talk about, but you, you've got to do the minimum around making sure that you're paying an equitable salary. But when you've got an, an extra benefit, whether it's working from home or whatever it might be, um, that's going to, all things being equal, it's going to put you ahead and it's going gonna, it's gonna to put you farther along and competing with, your, with, with the people in your industry. So um, yeah. it, it takes work. You've got to recognize that you get, the change is coming and you've got to get on board, but you can't just sit back and, and assume it's going to happen and everybody's just going to hang out and be, be happy. Joel Patterson with The Vested Group. If people wanted to look you up online, where can they go? Thevested.com. Uh, We're a technology consulting firm uh, that focuses on NetSuite. But we really, we really focus on our people, right? It's all about culture, and um, uh, that really makes a difference in your business long term. So I encourage everybody to just be, be intentional about how you spend time with your employees. Take one minute and just say, hey, how you doing today? And I think you'll be surprised at the results. Joel Patterson, workplace expert, The Vested Group. You can look up online. Thank you for joining us in South Carolina. Appreciate it, Joel. Thank you. I'm Ryan Recker, filling in for Tara. Don't go anywhere. News Talk 98.9 WORD. And welcome back. Yes, an interesting discussion on the workplace. Uh, let's look at some of these text messages that came in. Some messaging global warming. It's so cold today. One said, most people don't know MLK Day was made a holiday by Republicans. Well, that's interesting. I guess I don't know the true history of how that was made a national holiday. One person said that... Um, Ryan, chocolates say I'm sorry, but diamonds say I've learned my lesson. You and I both know I'm not going out buying jewelry for my, I would say, minor, (laughs) hilarious prank that uh, I pulled on my wife. Okay, how about the Cubs winning the series in 2016? Okay, so this is going back to the top TV moments, according to the Emmys. And I'm just kind of like scanning through some of the significant moments. And maybe me just day in and day out looking at news coverage of things towards the uh, gravitate towards major news story coverage as maybe over amplifying some of the other television moments. For example, they have at number 23 on the list, January 6th, 
And then, let's see, uh, number 21 on the list, it's Dallas. So you have JR steps into his outer office to pour himself a drink. He steps outside his door to investigate a noise and is gunned down by an unknown assailant. Dallas, and that was the 1980s. Now, I understand that that was such a big deal, like who killed JR? But that wasn't really part of my television viewing growing up, so I don't recognize it as a news event. I mean, I recognize it as a pop culture event, but... You know, is that really bigger than some of these other news events that you'll see later in the list? Let's just kind of go down. New Heart, the series finale, is at number 26. President-elect Obama's election night speech. That was at number 28 on the list. Uh, Keep that pinned in the back of your mind. Let's see what's lower than that event. Uh, Debut of 60 Minutes at number 29. Meet the Bunkers premiere episode. Rob Reiner and Gloria plan a surprise party to celebrate Archie and Edith's 22-year anniversary. That was the All in the Family 1970s. Uh, Will Smith slaps Chris Rock is at number 33. Um, O.J. Simpson verdict at number 38. I'll tell you what. The O.J. Simpson verdict, people were absolutely glued to their television. Um, I don't think anyone was watching the Academy Awards when Chris Rock was slapped, but they definitely watched it after the fact. I'll tell you that. People weren't just, oh, I got to watch the Academy Awards to see what's going to happen next. Uh, Made in America, Sopranos meet at a diner and sit down together. This is the end of the Sopranos from the 2000s. That was at number 36. Live Aid was at number 37. Debut of The Simpsons, number 39. Ted Turner introduced CNN's first newscast in 1941. That's a pretty big deal. CNN, um, if you all things considered, really set the blueprint for all these other news networks to come into place. But I don't think it was the first, really, to come up with the idea of having news around the clock. I mean, radio really brought that first, well before CNN, all things considered. Uh, debut a thriller video, Michael Jackson. That's number 48. Oprah gives everyone in her audience a car, 49. I think a lot of people watch that after the fact. Mary Tyler Moore show, the last one from, that was number 52. Um, you know, some of these things, coronation of Queen Elizabeth II from the 1950s. That was number 59 on the list. Lost, first episode's number 60 on the list. Whitney Houston sings the Star Spangled Banner at number 65. Uh, let's see, Will and Grace pilot episode at number 70, Will and Grace. I mean, when I, when I go back and I think about all the all-time great television shows, does Will and Grace even make the top 50? Not for me, it does. I don't know. So uh, all of these are really questionable at best and I guess very subjective. When we come back after the break, I wanted to bring up a story to Roger Davis that I think surprises no one. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on News Talk 98.9 WORD. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 